0: Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified, gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle. Or purchase online and visit CanyonGlutenFree.com to grab a coupon.
1: On the high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's gone With the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores! Jay Stevens lets it go and there's your touchdown Michael Gallup got it down low Hornung dump and here come the students Hey, just finished our second scrimmage. Obviously, we did it uh, at nighttime, because <clears throat> we're playing our first game at, at eight o'clock uh, against uh, CU in the showdown. Uh, I thought it was a good night. I thought we got a lot of plays in. A lot of people got a lot of good work. We got a lot of good stuff on tape that is going to help with teaching and help make our decisions moving forward.
0: What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the BSN Rams podcast. It is Monday, August 19th. We are a couple hours away from Broncos kickoff preseason football, Bleah. but you get a chance to see Josh Watson. Uh, CSU had practice today. We actually didn't really get to watch practice today, which always a little frustrating, but that's just part of it. They didn't do any indie periods today. CSU Had two off days over the weekend, so big rest weekend, a chance for the coaches to evaluate film from Friday's late-night scrimmage. The Rams held their second scrimmage of fall camp late Friday night. They're trying to just, you know, simulate what it's going to be like when they face CU in the season opener all throughout fall camp. They've been going early in the morning, as you guys have seen on Twitter, followed along. It's been, you know, before 8 a.m., just about every single day so far, other than this, you know, one Friday evening scrimmage, so probably a good chance for them to to play at night. I'm not sure just exactly how much stock you should put into stuff like that. I think there is something to, to be said about consistent training and doing it at the same time every day, and I'm sure that that is, that is a factor, so I'm sure it's good to get it some working at night since they've only been working in the mornings and you're not going to play any games in the morning all season. Every game you play is going to be, you know, post 12 PM unless you get one of those weird, you know, 10 AM, 11 AM kickoffs every now and then you do have one uh, a couple years ago. CSU played New Mexico back at Hughes stadium. So I guess this would have been in 2014. They had the, I think it was a 10:30 kickoff. It was just crazy early. So yeah, just always good to, to get some work in at night. It, it sounded like the scrimmage went okay for the most part. Bobo wasn't quite as pleased after the second scrimmage as he was after the first one. I do have some basic scrimmage notes that I'm just going to go over here, kind of start the show off. Uh, the offense had four total turnovers on the day, two interceptions from Colin Hill, and two fumbles. It sounds like the offense wasn't particularly successful, especially the offensive line kind of struggled to block. That can be a good thing if, in terms of the defense, I mean, you kind of want your defensive line to dominate, I think, especially in a in a controlled scrimmage setting where you kind of know the offense and what they're going to run against you. So I I wouldn't panic about that, especially because it sounds like it was more the the twos and threes that really struggled to get any kind of push at the line of scrimmage definitely didn't effectively run block, based on what Bobo said. But I mean, you know, how how much are you going to be counting on those twos and threes if if it gets to a point where CSU is having to play their you know tenth eleventh offensive lineman? They're probably going to be in trouble this season, anyways. I mean, you want you need seven or eight guys. You're going to ha- you need more than five because you're going to have to swing some guys every now and then. There's minor injuries that will happen in games and over the course of the season, so you need definitely more than five guys, but I wouldn't panic if the threes especially aren't killing it. That's a lot of young guys people in their second year, first year in the system. So we'll see how that plays out, but that's definitely something we're going to have to pay attention to over the next couple of weeks, as we've talked about all throughout fall camp. CSU's offensive line is just kind of a big question mark going into this season. We don't really know who the starters are going to be. There's a couple kind of guaranteed starters. You know, we'll talk about the O-line in depth a little bit more later in the show, but we will be interesting to see what happens with the with the O-line. But we'll also mentioned that the tackling wasn't especially great in the first scrimmage. It was more he was he was happy with the effort. But that was just a little sloppy. The offense in particular, had a ton of penalties in the second one. It sounds like effort wasn't necessarily an issue, but he definitely wants guys on defense to take better angles to the football. feels that it will help improve tackling. I mean, that makes sense. You got a lot of young defensive backs right now that are probably gonna you know, account for a decent amount of CSU snaps in the secondary if those guys aren't tackling the Rams are going to be in trouble so definitely gonna have to focus on that I think that's really been an Achilles heel for CSU for pretty much a decade just poor tackling especially in the secondary this secondary right now you have a ton of speed these guys look pretty strong they know they've they've talked and they've preached about physicality and you know swarming the football but we'll see you know like when the game comes around it's a whole different animal guys tend to tend to revert to their training so hopefully they're hopefully they're practicing well we'll we'll see how it plays out I just I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the secondary right now because I think there really is a lot of talent you see it and it, this is the first time that I've kind of felt that way at least since I've covered the team that there's a lot of talent in the secondary I also am really impressed by the defensive line but it, it kind of feels like this team might be you know a year away from being a really good team I think there might be some some rough spots this year I think we're going to see a lot of flashes of talent and it's definitely going to be a much more cohesive unit all around with the team just being in better spirits than they were a year ago but I think we might be a year away from seeing you know the real progress the the greatest question, of course, is will the staff still be around after the season to to keep developing and pushing it through? There were times last year where it was really bad. I think at the at the end of the last season, you kind of did see the offense play better, and you saw a lot of the the individual position groups play better. The defensive line in particular was really good at the end of last season. I think you're going to see them take, an, take another step this year, but With some of the other position groups, like linebacker, you're going to have probably a couple of sophomores starting. Tron Folsom, the Troy transfer, definitely is going to be added depth, and he will help along with Jalen Bates on the defensive line. But you're just going to have a lot of raw guys, guys that aren't used to playing this many snaps, guys that haven't been in this prominent of a position in their collegiate career. So we'll see how they handle it. it. You know, Every now and then, teams like this, They kind of break through early, and you end up seeing a good season and then a great season. That kind of reminds me of 2013-2014 with CSU. You saw the talent starting to come through in that 2013 season. You saw the flashes, you know, especially with Capri Bibbs just going in, rushing for 31 touchdowns, but you saw the flashes with other guys like Grayson, Sam Brilo on the offensive line, Richard Higgins, all that kind of stuff. And then in 2014, you saw him take it to the next level, win 10 games. Hopefully this year can, you know, kind of be like 2013 where you you start to move forward and we see that flashes and then next year with everyone coming back, you really take off, you know, contend for a, you know, double digit win season, something like that. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I just personally can't wait for football to be back. I'm so ready for the CU game to be here. It's going to be here before we know it. We're going to talk a ton about CSU, CU and the rivalry in the next coming weeks. Going to do some features on, you know, the best Rocky Mountain showdowns of all time, stuff like that. Going to be a lot of fun. You're going to want to check out BSN Rams for all of it because it's just going to be a ton of fun. We are going to take a quick break real quick, but when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting uh, CSU Added Jeremiah Pruitt, which we talked about at the end of last week. And I'm going to talk about just some questions I still have for this football team as they push forward towards the regular season. We'll be right back. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American Amber Ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch Ale. But for those of you that have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it and you'll be able to see all of the events we have planned where we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Welcome back to the BSN Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Canyon Bakehouse made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. They're changing the game with their certified gluten-free breads, bagels, and other baked goods. Visit CanyonGlutenFree.com to grab a coupon today. Alright, as I said before, we're going to talk in a bit about the questions I still have for this CSU Rams team as they approach the regular season. We are now 12 days from the Rocky Mountain Showdown. And actually, you know, less than a week from real college football. There'll be some zero-week matchups this weekend on TV. I don't know about you guys, but... I cannot wait, if you're watching college football this weekend, tweet at us at BSN Rams and let us know what you're watching, let us know what's going on, it's always fun to chat a little college football with everybody, Where we are a, a podcast for college football fanatics after all, but we have a little recruiting update before we get into some of those deeper questions. Brian Crespo, offensive tackle out of Fort Collins, committed to CSU last week, as well as Weston Lee Wallace out of Georgia. These are both guys with great size, 6'5", plus both over 300 pounds. So definitely interesting uh, to see the Rams recruiting O-line so heavy, heavily kind of ironic just because right now the offensive line has pretty much no size. So definitely... Makes sense that the coaches would want to emphasize that. I'm sure Dave Johnson is licking his chops, having a couple of big boys like this coming in. I mean, assuming that they actually sign. You never know. With this whole recruiting process, that was kind of something that I tweeted about with Chase Howell, who covers the Buffs for 247. Uh, Just kind of how the recruiting process frustrates me. The whole star rankings doesn't make sense. Uh, Guys are three star prospects and then they verbally commit somewhere and then all of a sudden they're a two star or somebody has no stars and they go to one Georgia camp and they're a four star player all of a sudden there doesn't really seem to be any rhyme or reason I don't want to speak ignorantly because I'm I guarantee you there is some mathematical process in which the recruiting sites all use to come up with this stuff and the recruiting gurus and and how they rank all this stuff but Personally, I think it's just a bunch of nonsense for the most part. But good to see CSU adding size. That you can notice that is undebatable. Um, doesn't matter if they're a three-star, a four-star, two-star. If you're six-five plus three hundred pounds, you have a Division One frame. The coaches are gonna offer you, and they're gonna see, you know, what what they can what they can develop out of you. Who knows whether either one of these guys are going to be stars or not. Neither is gathering a ton of attention aside from CSU. Crespo's a loco kid, could have gone to Greeley, had some other small offers as well. Wallace out of Georgia, CSU is really his only offer, at least of the major ones and the ones that's published. So, yeah, interesting to see what the Rams do, but nice to see that they're recruiting the offensive line. You can never have enough depth, especially at the tackle position. Let's talk a little bit about the present. Jeremiah Pruitt, 6'6", 218-pound, freshman wide receiver, has officially signed his NLI. He is practicing with the program now, has been on the team, I believe, for four practices, one scrimmage. We saw him for the first time last week. Uh, Bobo commented briefly Saturday night on Pruitt, just kind of mentioned how he's still trying to get in the swing of things, but obviously really excited to have him at you know 6'6 218 pounds at like 19 years old that kind of frame is something that you can't coach Um, but I think the Rams are just really excited in general about this young wide receiver core that they have Pruitt obviously a nice addition at 6'6 218 pounds probably going to take a while for him to actually get involved in the offense if he ends up even playing at all this season one of the things that kind of changes development now is with being able to still play in four games and scholarship, a lot of these young guys are going to play in some games early in the season and non-conference play before the coaching staff decides, no, we're going to shut these guys down and save them for scholarship. Some of these wide receivers, that's definitely going to be the case. If, if I had to guess at this point, it'd probably be Dante Wright would be the freshman that that ends up playing the most. We'll see if that ends up being true or not, but he's had a great opportunity to work with the ones. But the fact that they were able to get Pruitt, definitely a nice signing. He was a one-time Louisville commit, had offers from Pittsburgh, Syracuse Temple, a lot of East Coast schools, uh, Tulane, Indiana, East Carolina. But So definitely a nice pickup for wide receiver U, which it has now been kind of deemed... Pretty much, you know, not universally, but fans around the program. I know CSU is leaning into that. Why wouldn't you? It's a great marketing play. You got all these dudes just killing it in the NFL. You might as well use that in recruiting. And it seems like they are. I mean, you lose Alvis Witted to the NFL, and that, that was a bummer. Everybody's excited for him. Obviously, Alvis being one of the, the best dudes that I've had a chance to work around. But encouraging that Joe Cox is has a group of young guys that he'll be able to develop over the next couple of years because, you know, the thing about Joe Cox is everybody has great things to say about him. I think he's really the only guy you would have wanted to secede at Witted. I mean, he's just, he you watch him work with the guys, he's not a guy that yells a whole lot. I mean, he's he's definitely more vocal than Witted was. Witted didn't really talk at all. He just kind of... <laughs> used his his actions to get the players to follow him but but Cox is is gonna have some fun developing these guys they got a lot of speed a lot of athleticism it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see what he's able to do with them, especially if if Cox ends up staying here for the next you know four or five years I've heard that he's probably a guy that'll be a head coach down the line so he may be looking to move up somewhere down the line but for right now he is in a good position but let's talk just a little bit about the questions that we still have about this team as they approach the regular season. Um, one of those, and probably the biggest question for me right now, is who will your starting five on the offensive line be? Obviously, you're going to need more than five guys to play with the with everything that occurs in you know the chaos of a regular season. There's going to be Mixing and injuries there, guys are going to have to leave for, you know, a couple series or a couple quarters, a couple games even. Certain guys are going to have to swing from guard to tackle and vice versa. Barry Wesley being the guy that you would expect to move around the most in case of emergency. But ideally, you really would like to lock down that five or six guys that end up being, you know, your your primary starting offensive line. And I think having someone like Barry Wesley at, at left guard going to be good i spoke to him today just about that transition of going from tackle to guard he told me you know playing in a much more confined space it was something he struggled with at first especially with his height but he's really really come to embrace it feels comfortable in that role excited to kind of lock down and specialize in that role hopefully i mean he even admitted at this point today, like they're still moving guys around and trying to figure it out. So I don't think anything's necessarily locked in stone, but you've seen him work at left guard a lot more. And instead of being a guy that's a jack of all trades and master of none, he's kind of really honing in on becoming, you know, just a proficient guard. I think it's a role that suits him well. He's, he's a really good run blocker. So I think he'll just, he'll enjoy that role at right guard. You're probably going to have Jeff Taylor, he's a guy who the coaching staff for years have kind of, you've just kind of been waiting for Jeff Taylor to take that next step. He's never been like awful, but he's also never really been good. So I'm kind of interested to see in what he does at right guard this year, right tackle, probably looking at Keith Williams. He came over from independence community college, uh, two years ago, I guess it would be now. Um, Keith has quite a bit of experience, great size, definitely confident. Talked to him a little bit last week. You know, he's looking at this season as just kind of being the chance for him to prove himself. I feel like he's a guy that thought he should have had more power five offers than he did with his size. It's a little surprising that he didn't, but he came to CSU. He loves it here, loves the relationship he has with the coaches. They're definitely going to need him to be consistent at right tackle because on. I'm the left side, you're probably looking at TJ Stormont, who transferred in uh, from Junior college, California Junior College. I'm blanking on the school off the top of my head. I should have should have had my notes pulled up, but he is, you know, definitely still raw. I know the coaches are happy that he was able to be here for spring ball, and it's helped him a lot. But he's a guy. When I watch him, you know, I'm no offensive line expert, but it seems to me like he's still thinking. And you see that a lot with guys that aren't comfortable in the system. They're still thinking about their next move. And it's a lot. So, I mean, you can't blame the guy, but they're going to really need him to be up to speed by the time the regular season comes around. And then, you know, the biggest question right now is who is your starting center going to be? Scott Brooks has gotten some reps in it there. I know they want Florian McCann, the kid out of Mullen, to potentially be a starter down the line. They've given him a ton of reps this summer. We'll see if that pays off. Uh, Noelle, the German kid might end up working his way into that mix as well or if none of those guys end up being proficient maybe you have to slide somebody like Barry Wesley to center and you move somebody else to left guard I think that would be just not ideal after all the reps that you've got him got Wesley at guard this summer but we'll see what happens you know the offensive line is pretty much the key to success on offense you need a good quarterback I I, there are two things I think you need to win and that's you need a good quarterback and you need to be able to block for that quarterback i think everything else you can kind of offset it's tough to win if your defense sucks but if you score 50 points a game and they only score 40 then you can win that way so you can offset it with an with a great offense but you know if you can't protect for that quarterback then it doesn't really matter how good he is because he's going to get hit in his mouth and he's not going to be able to get rid of the football and that's what we saw last year with colin hill and kj Carter-Samuels. i think both of those guys are good quarterbacks, and neither one of them really had an opportunity to prove that. I think. I think it was somewhat of an awkward situation with KJ, obviously trying to, trying to prove himself. He had been waiting his entire f- career for that. So, you know, KJ wasn't exactly interested in what was best for the, for the program going forward. But he had a lot of talent at quarterback. Colin, I think, has always been a great team guy. But he was coming back from the injury last year, still trying to get back in the groove of things. And you just—you never saw either one of them really get comfortable behind that offensive line. As a result, the offense was just really streaky. There were moments where you would see the arm talent, and you know you'd see them hit a deep ball to BC or Preston or some of those guys. But for the most part, it just looked like they were playing scared. And it's—it's tough to blame them when you had almost no time. You know when you're getting hit less than. second and a half after snapping the football pretty tough to win that way so who are your starting five on the offensive line who are your rotation guys can you lock that down over the next couple of weeks we'll we'll definitely see uh another question i have which secondary receivers do you trust and you know what kind of personnel is this team are they going to operate out of one of the big things bobo has kind of debated throughout camp is is how the tight ends and the And the receivers, they're competing amongst each other in their own position groups. All the tight ends are competing against each other for playing time. All the receivers are competing against each other for playing time. But those groups are also competing, you know, against each other, like the receivers versus the tight ends in the sense of which personnel is this offense going to specialize out of? Are they going to go wide a lot with multiple wide receivers? Are they going to go multiple tight ends? I think that's something that we'll see quite a bit this year with Trey McBride and Cam Butler being just such phenomenal athletes you also have Griffin Hammer who specializes more as a pass catcher not quite as strong in the run game but with Trey McBride and Cam Butler two guys who are they're not only physically strong you know they can take on linebackers and defensive linemen if they must but they really run the they can run well in the open field they have solid hands and I just think that versatility is going to be key for CSU this year given the questions at offensive line because if if we run really or if CSU runs really predictable sets and you know they're they're just allowing defenses to blast off and blitz on the quarterback all the time because they know oh this is a passing situation then Colin's not going to be able to succeed and i think running those multiple tight end sets and going under center and and mixing in you know some play action it's going to be big for this team Colin can throw pretty well on the move um he's not a guy that you want necessarily running all around the field but he does move well and and he can he has good awareness with defenders so i think it's something he could thrive in but more more importantly you're just going to open up the field you're not going to allow defenses to put eight in the box consistently and stack it when they think you're going to run because if they with these tight end sets you just you don't know And, and bobo talked a little bit about this over the weekend listen to this audio from Mike Bobo after the scrimmage on the tight ends and just the different sets and what it kind of means for the offense. You mentioned a couple times that the tight ends and wide receivers are competing with each other to, for reps and what type of sets you guys are going to run. Have either of those groups stood out in the last
1: week? Yeah, we we play. You know, we play all of them. Uh, personnel groups. Our offense. You know, we will get in multiple personnel groups and hopefully make the defense defend. You know different things uh you know and I, and I said that earlier which which is true you know and then you got a guy like adam prentice who's one of our better football players too that i don't like taking off the field uh you know hurt griffin hammer getting hurt hurt the tight end position a little bit uh gary williams and uh kyle helbig are still young uh they're learning uh and then receivers you know we've got you know we've got warren and uh and Nico's out, EJ Scott's trying to come back. So we're thin, a little bit thin in those places just because of camp and and injury. Uh, But I see us being a team that's going to, you know, still play multiple personnel groups. I I wouldn't say one group has just taken over and been a dominant force. Do you like when you go too tight end so it's not a dead giveaway to what you play might be because of their versatility? Yeah, well, you know, know, you're 21, It's, you know, it's, you know, there's some things you can do, but you're in a lot of, you know, true two-back sets. When you get in 12, uh, you can get in more passing streaks and still have, you know, some tight inside running game. So that's why I like 12 uh, a little bit more. But there is something to be said about a, a two-back running game, you know, in the in the, the zones when you, you know, the insert zones with the fullback uh, are tough to defend. So we just got to get a plan, you know, best personnel, and then a plan for CU how we're going to attack them.
0: Rams football is back, the wait is over. It's time for fall camp, and we're giving you the best deal that we've run since we went to the free t-shirt format with subscriptions, but it won't last long. Here's the deal. If you use the code GORAMS, you will get our annual package for 34 dollars which not only is a $10 discount off our current annual package, but it comes out to $2.91 per month, which is almost 50% off our standard monthly price. But it's not just about the discount. You're also getting a free premium Rams t-shirt, which is a $27 value. You get to have your comments read on this podcast. You get all of our exclusive content on bsndenver.com. And if you don't like reading, but you want the inside details, subscribers get all of our Broncos written stories in audio form, meaning we read all of our written content to you. And then, of course, there's our film reviews, game grades, and just being part of the BSN Rams community. So go to bsndenver.com or download the app and use the promo code GO RAMS, all one word, to join the family today. All right, folks, welcome back one last time to the BSN RAMS podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. We are just about finished with today's episode, but I did have one last question that I wanted to go over uh, before we ended today's podcast, and that is... Who is actually going to be the number two quarterback if something were to happen with Colin Hill? That would obviously be worst case scenario. This, you know, maybe Colin Hill gets injured for some, you know, obscure reason maybe he gets a targeting ejection, I don't know, like throws a throws an interception and Colin Hill's just furious and, and runs down a defensive back and spears him square in the head with his Jesus beard flowing through the air. Uh, honestly that'd be like kind of incredible. I wouldn't I don't even think I'd be upset if I was a coach and my quarterback just blew up a defensive back like that. <laughs> but you know the more the more likely scenario would be, you know, if he were to get hurt or just for some reason just comes out and really just is awful the first couple weeks of non-conference play or something like that. I don't expect that at all. Everything that we've seen from him this summer leads me to believe that it's going to be a pretty successful season for Colin Hill. But you never know, and it's, it is a scenario that you need to be prepared for. And I think most fans coming into the season would have guessed that the backup quarterback was going to be Nebraska transfer Patrick O'Brien. Uh, whenever you have a guy that comes from a bigger school like Nebraska, I think the fans are always going to give him the benefit of the doubt. You saw it with Fatone Bauta from Georgia. There really was no reason to believe that Fatone was going to be a superstar or anything like that, but just the fact that he came from Georgia had CSU fans foaming out the mouth. Same goes for you know KJ Carter-Samuels coming out of Washington State. You know, whatever. There's just an allure that comes with being a quarterback from one of those big Power Five programs, and it, it makes sense. It's it's not shocking, but I think the at this point the backup quarterback would probably be Justice McCoy. Now he he just has a better grip on the offense. I think the team is comfortable with him. He's been around, they like him. He, you know, he's been a great team player throughout the last couple years and working his way into the quarterback competition, but really just understanding his role and understanding, you know, that he wasn't going to be the guy the last couple of years, I don't think a lot of people would have been able to handle it the way that Justice had. I published a feature on him at the beginning of camp just talking about how he's embraced the competition and how whether he ends up being, you know, a starter someday, which he wants to be obviously, or or a backup, he's just going to do everything in his power to be a good teammate and help the team win. And I think that's a guy who Mike Bobo would reward in a in a situation where he had to go with a backup quarterback. I just think Bobo trusts him at this point. He's earned that having been a part of the system now for a couple years and he's worked tremendously on becoming an improved passer and i think we have seen moments in practice where he's actually made some really nice throws and personally i i would like to see justice get a chance someday if you know preferably in a scenario where like the rams are up 50 to 10 or something and maybe he gets in in the second half something like that i don't i'm not saying i'm i'm wishing for colin to get injured and and have him have Justice take over. Definitely nothing like that, but I just think he's a good guy. I think he's been a solid teammate, and I think he can run the offense efficiently if it came down to it, and that's what you want out of your backup quarterback. You don't need a guy that's going to be a superstar. If he was a superstar, he'd be your starter. I think Justice is perfectly suited to be the backup quarterback, and I think that they would have an offense in which he could run well, if it came down to it, I think they'd have to modify it slightly. He just doesn't have the arm that Colin has. But he he does have a strong arm, and he is fairly athletic, and more importantly, he's re- he's ready for it. It's he last August, I wouldn't have said that. I, I don't think he was proficient enough. His footwork needed improvement, and we've seen him just make strides over the last year, and it's been it's been good to see. So good for Justice McCoy. But That's that's pretty much all we have for today. It's already been a longer show than usual, so I'm going to wrap things up here. We will be back every day this week with the BSN Rams podcast. Make sure you're checking out the site. I had a piece published today on Marvin Kinsey and why he feels that it's going to be the best season of his career. Also had a feature on Logan Stewart over the weekend and his process of going from a walk-on to a starter. Definitely check out both of those. I had a lot of fun writing both of them.